Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, entitled Novel Therapies to Manage Off-Episodes in Patients with Parkinson's Disease, is provided by the University of Florida College of Medicine and Novice Medical Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Synovian Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Kiowa Kieran Incorporated. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, and welcome to this webcast entitled Novel Therapies to Manage Off-Episodes in Patients with Parkinson's Disease. I'm Dr. Robert Hauser, Professor of Neurology and Director of the Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorder Center at the University of South Florida. I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Stuart Isaacson. Stuart, uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Stuart Isaacson. I'm the director of the Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorder Center in Boca Raton, Florida. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge Synovian Pharmaceuticals and Kiowa Kieran for providing independent educational grants to support the CME certified activity. Now let's take a look at our learning objectives for this webcast. Stuart, would you go ahead and review those, please? Sure. Well, upon the conclusion of this activity, hopefully participants should be able to evaluate the benefits and limitations of existing pharmacotherapies uh, for reducing off episodes in patients with Parkinson's disease. Uh, two, to identify patient scenarios where emerging pharmacotherapies may be beneficial in reducing off episodes in uh, patients with Parkinson's disease. And finally, to identify common adverse effects associated with the emerging pharmacotherapies, as well as strategies for preventing or mitigating them. Great, thank you. Well, we're going to be concentrating on treatments for off episodes today. And to start at the basic level, it's very common for clinicians to use carbidopa, levodopa, 25100, three times a day early in Parkinson's disease. And initially, this therapy will provide good benefit that lasts from dose to dose. But over time, many patients find that the medication wears off. And so they have episodes through the day where Parkinson's symptoms reemerge and they get symptoms such as slowness, stiffness, tremor that come back. And these are known as off episodes. In addition, as time goes on, many patients develop a sensitivity to levodopa where they develop additional involuntary movements, often choreiform, twisting, turning movements called dyskinesias, which look like a sensitivity that develops over time. These motor fluctuations emerge in about 50% of Parkinson's disease patients within five years and 90% by 10 years. And again, we're going to concentrate today on treatment of off. So, Stuart, can you tell us about motor fluctuations in Parkinson's disease? Sure, but I think it's important to understand the words that we used. A patient is said to be on when his Parkinson's medications are providing good benefit uh, for his motor symptoms and off when the PD medications are not providing good benefit. So an off episode is that time when the medicine effect uh, begins to wear off and the benefit is lost until the next dose is taken and begins to work and a patient is back on. And if we add up all the off episodes throughout the day, we get a measure of off time throughout the day. And these off episodes can occur in a temporal relationship to the dosing. Uh, it can occur at the end of a dose. It can be a delayed onset of a dose. It can occur in relationship to a meal. And it can occur in relationship to a time of day, like a morning off or a overnight off or a postprandial off. So I think thinking about these different uh, scenarios of when off can occur 
can help us uh, think about some of the novel treatments that are more recently available. Yeah, I agree. Uh, these days, a lot of medications are approved for treatment of off, and yet in clinical trials, we're often evaluating reduction in off time. So we may talk about that as we talk about these individual medications. Well, let me hit on uh, what's happening as time goes on in Parkinson's disease so people can understand why off episodes or off time develops in Parkinson's disease. You know, I think there are two basic fundamental issues. One is that levodopa itself has a short half-life. Levodopa alone has a half-life of about 60 minutes. And here in the U.S., we give it together with carbidopa. And levodopa, when given with carbidopa, still has a very short half-life of 90 minutes. But despite this, as I mentioned earlier, we give carbidopa, levodopa immediate release three times a day, typically in early disease, something like 7 a.m., noon, 5 p.m., and early on, patients typically get good benefit for slow and small movement and stiffness, and it lasts those five-hour intervals. So patients say, oh, I'm doing well, medications lasting from dose to dose. And we think the reason is because levodopa travels up to the brain, is taken up by remaining dopamine neurons, is converted to dopamine, and most importantly, stored and slowly released over time to provide that benefit lasting from dose to dose. But as time goes on and patients lose more and more dopamine neurons, that storage and release capacity is diminished, and that's when patients begin to notice, hey, my medication is only lasting four and a half hours, then four hours, then three and a half hours. And ultimately, they find that their clinical benefit begins to mirror the pharmacokinetics of levodopa, and ultimately, it only lasts about two and a half hours or so. The other thing that happens is that uh, relates to levodopa being absorbed not in the stomach, but in the small bowel. So when they take oral carbidopa, levodopa immediate release, the pills need to go down the esophagus, get past the stomach, and get down into the proximal small bowel where it gets absorbed. And Parkinson's disease not only affects the brain, it also affects nerves to the GI tract. So many patients with Parkinson's disease have GI dysmotility, they have gastroparesis, so it may take longer for these pills to get through the stomach and it also becomes more variable. And so this leads to so-called delayed on uh, over time. And this also contributes to off time or off episodes. One other thing that I'll mention is that over time, patients experience upregulation of adenosine A2A receptors and also an increase in NMDA glutamate activity. And these two mechanisms worsen PD symptoms and increase off time in Parkinson's disease. So there are all these mechanisms going on in Parkinson's disease that we clinicians need to have tools to fight to treat uh, for our patients. Stuart, you want to talk about uh, the novel PD medications that we have now? Yes. Yeah, so based on these mechanisms of how we think about off uh, nowadays, we have new medications to try to address some of these mechanisms. Uh, for instance, we have new levodopa formulations and enzymatic inhibitors that may extend the clinical benefit of a dose. Uh, we have non-dopaminergic medications, uh, for example, that can antagonize adenosine receptors. And we have non-oral uh, medications that can address perhaps the GI dysmotility and the delayed gastric emptying of oral medications and give patients an on-demand or as-needed uh, way of taking medication. So uh, let's go through some of these. Bob, you want to start with uh, some of these newer levodopa formulations? Yeah, so let me start with uh, carbidopa and levodopa extended release capsules. These capsules contain beads that provide both immediate and extended release pharmacokinetic properties. 
And following administration, there's an initial peak in plasma levodopa concentration at about one hour, similar to immediately release carbidopa levodopa. And then the levodopa concentration is maintained for about four to five hours before declining. The manufacturer of carbidopa and levodopa extended release capsules did a pivotal trial comparing extended release to immediate release. And what was seen was that carbidopa levodopa extended release reduced off time by 1.17 hours compared to immediate release, even as patients dosed with extended release took it 3.6 times a day compared to five times a day for immediate release. In addition, during dose conversion from IR to ER, 5% of patients withdrew due to adverse events and 3% withdrew due to lack of efficacy. In the maintenance period on extended release, the most common adverse events were insomnia, nausea, and falls. And it is important for clinicians to understand that dosing conversion from IR to ER is not one-to-one. So clinicians have to have a dosing conversion strategy when they make this change, and they have to get early feedback to do adjustments. The other newer levodopa formulation is carbidopa levodopa enteral suspension. This is a suspension of levodopa that can be infused via pump device. It can be infused up to 16 hours a day via a portable pump that's connected to a tube that goes through the abdominal wall into the stomach and has the tip positioned in the small bowel. This is indicated for the treatment of motor fluctuations in patients with advanced Parkinson's disease and provides sort of a continuous delivery of levodopa to the small bowel where levodopa is absorbed. In a pivotal trial, carbidopa-levodopa enteral infusion reduced off time by about 1.9 hours compared to adjustment of oral carbidopa-levodopa immediate release. Overall, approximately 89% of patients did experience device complications in this 12-week study, and these included things like tube dislocations, tube occlusions, and pump failures. So clinicians need to be prepared to handle these kinds of things. Often GI doctors need to be involved in taking care of these. Additional adverse events included nausea and incision site erythema. Um, Other ways to try to extend the uh, on time is, and reduce off episodes is to use an enzymatic inhibitor of, uh, of breaking down dopamine. Uh, essentially, we have selective MALB inhibitors that we've used over time, and uh, a novel uh, molecule called cefinamide was recently approved, and this is a, a very high selectivity for MALB over MALA and thus doesn't require any dietary modifications. Um, it's thought to increase dopamine levels at the synaptic level, perhaps, by blocking uh, breakdown of dopamine after it's released at the synapse. And stafinamide may also have activity at the uh, glutamatergic system, uh, uh, which hopefully, and that may have some clinical benefit, although it's, it's unclear how much of a benefit that would be. In the pivotal trials, what we looked at specifically was a reduction in off time and found that stafinamide reduced off time by approximately one hour over placebo. Uh, in two pivotal trials, one uh, demonstrating a 1.03-hour reduction, the second pivotal trial uh, about a 0.6-hour reduction. Uh, another enzymatic uh, inhibitor uh, is a COMPT inhibitor. Uh, Bob, a new one has uh, recently been approved. That's right. Uh, this is opicapone. This is a once-daily COMT inhibitor, and it's approved as an adjunct to carbidopa-levodopa in PD patients experiencing off-episodes. 
And basically, you can think of this medication as sending more levodopa up to the brain over a longer time. The recommended dosage is 50 milligrams at bedtime, and it should be taken away from food. In a pivotal trial, opicapone, 50 milligram reduced off time by about an hour versus placebo, and 8% of opicapone treated patients and 6% of placebo treated patients discontinued due to adverse events. So, so those are two enzymatic inhibitors that can extend the on uh, time for, for a dose of, of medication for people with Parkinson's disease. Um, other mechanisms have been explored as well, including non-dopinergic mechanisms. Bob, recently a non-dopinergic medication that addresses antagonism of the adenosine A2A receptor was approved. Yeah, that's right. This is uh, estradefiline, and as you mentioned, it's a non-dopamine medication. It's an antagonist of the adenosine A2A receptor. It's approved as an adjunct to carbidopa levodopa in PD patients experiencing off episodes. So in Parkinson's disease, adenosine acts as a break on the dopamine system, and adding estradefiline is like helping to release that break. The recommended dosage is 20 milligram orally once daily, and this can be increased to a maximum of 40 milligram daily. So in the label for istradefiline, the FDA reviewed four pivotal trials, and istradefiline reduced off time compared to placebo by 0.67 to 1.16 hours. The incidence of patients discontinuing for any reason uh, related to adverse reaction was 5 to 6% for istradefiline and 5% for placebo. The most common adverse event was dyskinesia, which occurred in 15 to 17% of patients for istradefiline versus 8% for placebo. Another non-dopinergic medication recently approved was one that addressed an overactivity of the glutamatergic system, an antagonist of the NMDA glutamate receptors that are also overactive in Parkinson's disease. By using an older medicine, amantadine, in a new high bedtime extended release formulation was studied to see if it could reduce levodopa-induced dyskinesia. And it met its primary endpoint. And what was interesting is it also met its secondary endpoint, which was an improvement in off time. Uh, and what we found overall in the trial that in patients at baseline who spent roughly about half of their waking day, approximately eight of their 16 hours awake in a good on state without troublesome dyskinesia and without off time, after taking this uh, high bedtime dose of extended release amantadine, uh, 12 weeks later, they spent about three quarters of their day in a good or functional on time. And only a quarter of the day was made up of troublesome dyskinesia or, or off time. Of course, uh, side effects have to be considered when using this type of medication. Uh, we've known about side effects with amantadine. Hallucinations can occur. Uh, That's probably the most common side effect that can occur, as well as pedal edema, libido reticularis as well as anticholinergic uh, uh, side effects that we've uh, been aware of. But, but these are two non-dopaminergic uh, medications that can be uh, thought of as an adjunct to levodopa, any formulation of levodopa, to try to address non-dopaminergic mechanisms of, of off. Um, That's great. So we've covered some new levodopa formulations, and we covered adjuncts, and now we come to a different kind of category, so-called on-demand therapies. Can you tell us about those? Oh, sure. I think one of the problems we've uh, focused on for, for a very long time in thinking about treating off in Parkinson's disease is the end of dose wearing off and trying to make a dose last longer. But of course, 
on doesn't return until the next dose is taken and begins to work. And there can be a delay in this onset of action caused by esophageal dysmotility, delayed gastric emptying of medication, and as uh, Bob indicated earlier, levodopa is absorbed only in the small intestine. It has to exit the stomach in order to be observed. And this type of delay can not only be prolonged, but can be very variable. And studies have demonstrated a large variability, not only between patients, but in individual patients at different doses in different days. One dose may work quickly, another dose may be delayed by 20, 40, 60 or more minutes. And once it begins to work, it may work optimally or suboptimally. And a lot of this problem has to do with delivery to the intestine and also by problems with absorption in the intestine caused by protein and, and perhaps bacteria. Another formulation of levodopa is an orally inhaled levodopa. And this way of uh, delivering levodopa bypasses the delayed gastric emptying that can occur due to gastroparesis and can deliver levodopa directly through the alveoli into the plasma, giving a very rapid onset. And in the studies that were done to evaluate orally inhaled levodopa, uh, we found an onset of action within 10 minutes uh, with a primary endpoint significantly different than placebo at 30 minutes and patients remaining on 60 minutes after inhaling levodopa. Uh, this inhaled levodopa has to be taken when patients begin to note the recurrence of symptoms of off so that they can then take this in and come back onto on, bridging the gap between an on episode until the next dose can be taken and, and begin to work as well. Uh, subcutaneously delivered apomorphine, a dopamine agonist that has a robust levodopa-like response, has been used as an injection for patients who are in an off uh, state and want to rapidly and reliably return to an on state. Injecting subcutaneous apomorphine works very rapidly and in pivotal trials demonstrated at 20 minutes a significant difference from placebo. Uh, this type of medication, though, can lead, perhaps due to its rapid increase, to adverse effects uh, that are often dopaminergic and sometimes dose-limiting, including sleepiness, uh, nausea, uh, low blood pressure, uh, or dyskinesia. Uh, nonetheless, this has been a helpful adjunct to really uh, focus attention that patients who are in off-episode can return to an on, bypassing orally uh, swallowed levodopa. And together with orally inhaled levodopa are two options that can be used by patients on demand as needed when they're entering or in an off episode to return to on. More recently, a new formulation of apomorphine that's delivered sublingually into the mucosa beneath the tongue was approved by the FDA. This apomorphine sublingual strip uh, contains apomorphine in a buffered uh, formulation in a strip that goes beneath the tongue. Uh, when patients are in an off episode and gets absorbed through the mucosa there, entering rapidly the plasma circulation into the brain uh, to return a patient into an on state. In the pivotal trials that were uh, identified, that apomorphine sublingual has an onset that can be demonstrated within 15 minutes in many patients with uh, a full-on occurring within 30 minutes and persisting for the 60 minutes. Uh, adverse reactions that are seen were typical of what's known for dopaminergic medications, including apomorphine, and included uh, most commonly uh, nausea, as well as reactions that can occur in the oral or pharyngeal mucosa 
uh, redness or swelling or ulcerations, and patients should be evaluated uh, for this. Uh, sleepiness and uh, a dizziness can occur, but, but weren't uh, as common as, um, as we might have expected from this rapid onset medication. So I think that all these new novel medications that have different non-oral deliveries, have non-dopaminergic mechanisms, really expand our uh, armamentarium in addressing off episodes in our patients as they progress over the years and decades of Parkinson's disease. And it might be helpful to think about some of the scenarios where we might consider and contrast some of these uh, medications that are, are newly available. Yeah, that's great. So uh, let's take a look at some scenarios. Uh, the first scenario here is the patient is on carbidope, believe it up, at 25100 QID. Of course, this is the immediate release. He's wearing off a half an hour before each dose, and the next dose takes about half an hour to kick in. What do you think about here? Well, here we have a sort of a mixed bag as well of patients. Uh, they're not quite making it to the next dose, and that dose takes a bit of time. Um, uh, perhaps we could use an on-demand uh, therapy uh, when patients enter off here, and then they could sort of bridge that gap till the next dose works. We could switch to an extended release and keep it at QID, and then that would probably uh, help a lot of problems. And often we'll think about doing both, uh, giving a longer-acting formulation or giving the same dose of carbidopolividopa with an enzymatic inhibitor or a non-dopaminergic medication, and also giving an on-demand medication so when patients still have an off episode, they can have that ability to, to have the, um, be empowered to turn back on. Yeah, I agree. I think this is sort of the classic fluctuator. We have a lot of options here sure open, open to us. Um, so let's move on. Carbidopa, levodopa, immediate release, 25100, one and a half QID plus a bedtime dose. This person notes slight dyskinesia at times during the day. And he's a little different now. He reports one or two off periods most days, but not always at the same time of day. So it's kind of uh, a little unpredictable for this patient. What do you say here? So this is a, a common patient as well. And uh, I think one of the things I think about is either we have to go down a road where we're going to add something, increase perhaps dyskinesia, then have to lower levodopa and have this multi-step process. And we can do that with the enzymatic inhibitor and non-dopaminergic medication added on. This might be a good patient to think about an extended release formulation of levodopa that we can more finely titrate and try to have the right conversion and then find the right adjustment uh, throughout the day. Uh, it also might be a patient, since they're unpredictable or unexpected off, so they're not the same time every day, to, to keep what we're doing if the dyskinesias are slight. We could always add a medication to lower dyskinesia and help off, like the bedtime uh, standard release version of amantadine, or use an on-demand therapy here and have a patient carry around a strip or inhaler or injection pen and be able to, when they go into an off episode, have the ability to turn back on. Yeah, that's what I think. I think uh, most adjuncts, if you add on, you might increase dyskinesia. This sure. is sort of the perfect scenario for an on-demand therapy that you're just treating that period when they go into an off state. So I would definitely think about an on-demand therapy there. Okay, our last scenario, carbidopa, levodopa, immediate release, one and a half tablets, QID plus a bedtime dose. This person says it reports that it often takes an hour or more for his first levodopa dose of the day to kick in. So he's really complaining of morning off. What do you think here? Well, so many patients do okay throughout the day. Um, he's tolerating the carbidopa levodopa. We know that once you exceed six to 800 milligrams a day, at least in several of the clinical trials, uh, there tends to be perhaps more dyskinesia 
uh, especially they have pre-existing dyskinesia. So if I think we can find a temporal pattern is mainly first thing in the morning until that first dose begins to work, we can think about the late gastric emptying of the first dose. This is a great place to think about a medication that can take someone from an off to an on, an apomorphine that can give a robust levodoparon uh, and it can do that without having GI dysmotility impede uh, the onset of, of levodopa. Uh, and this is where uh, the, the, the uh, apomorphine injection or the new formulation of the sublingual uh, apomorphine strip would be uh, uh, useful to try to help patients uh, turn on and then the oral medicine might be able to keep them on. Of course, they had another off episode throughout the day. On certain days, they could always use the uh, sublingual apomorphine uh, strip or the injection again. Yeah, I completely agree. So our time is up here. Uh, let me just review some uh, summaries and key takeaways. Uh, we mentioned that there are a number of new medications available now to treat off episodes. Selecting the right strategy or medication requires considerations of how the treatment matches the clinical problem. Add-on therapies generally reduce off time by about an hour per day and are relatively easy to use. On-demand therapies are particularly useful for unexpected offs, delayed ons, offs associated with meals, and morning offs. Amantadine extended release may be useful in patients who also have dyskinesia. Carbidopa levodopa extended release reduces off time and allows less frequent dosing, but knowledge of conversion and adjustment by the clinician is required. Carbidopa levodopa enteral suspension is reserved for patients who cannot be adequately controlled on less invasive regimens. So thank you for your time and attention, and uh, thank you, Dr. Isaacson, for all your experience and wise comments. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by the University of Florida College of Medicine and Novice Medical Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Synovian Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Kiowa Kieran Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.